thank you for um, the visitors who have joined us today. And we praise God because of his Sabbath day, because it is a, a point in time that's given to us each week where we can stop, come together and worship our Lord. So before we begin, let's just bow for a word of prayer. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that in a world that um, has so much uncertainty, your word is sure. We thank you, Lord, that um, you've given us so many promises contained in your word as well. We thank you for the stories, the people who have gone before us, Lord. We know that they weren't perfect, Lord, that they had their own weaknesses, but they were perfect in you. Lord, I pray that you may uh, bless us now with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you may use me as a conduit in your service, Lord, to deliver uh, this, this message which you've prepared. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So this is only like the third time I've preached, so <laughs> I get really nervous, so please bear with me. And I, our printer's broken at home, so I have to use this computer, so hopefully it's friendly towards me today. Um, but we'll begin. So... Have you ever gazed into the vast universe and pondered the stars of the sky? Or stood at the edge of the sea and relaxed as the waves rhythmically broke on the, onto the ocean shore? Or perhaps you've enjoyed the smell of the rain as it replenished the earth. God's creative power has been active since the dawn of time, and his handiwork is prevalent all around us. I've often contemplated why it is that most people acknowledge God and yet choose not to commit their lives to him? Or why is it that even as Christians, we struggle with giving God the priority in our life that he deserves? God's word tells us in Psalms 103, verses 10 and 11, that God has not dealt with us after our sins, nor does he reward us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. This morning, we will ponder the, the marvelous mercy of God in the, lot, in the life of Lot. And Lot, as you may recall, was Abraham's nephew. And when God called Abraham out of the idolatrous city of Ur to the land of promise, he took with him his wife, his servants, all of his substance, and Lot chose to go with him. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 13. We'll have a look this morning, um, beginning with verses 1 to 4. It's also up on the screen, so you can follow along as well. And it says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. And Abram was rich in cattle, in silver and gold. And he went on his journey from the south, even to Bethel, until the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai. Unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. From these four verses, we learn that Abram was a man of prayer. And he prioritized his relationship with God. In fact, everywhere he went, he built an altar to worship God and to seek his presence. 
And verse one says that Abram and his wife and all that he had and Lot, who was also with him, had just traveled south from Egypt. When they arrived back between Bethel and Hai, life as Abram and Lot once knew it was going to change drastically. Let's continue to read now in verses seven through nine of Genesis 13. And it says there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife, I pray, between me and you and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. See the whole land before you, separate yourself, I pray, from me. If you go to the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. And Abram is very kind, and he gives Lot the opportunity to choose where he would like to go, where he'd like to live. Customarily, Lot, out of respect for his uncle, should have, he really should have declined this opportunity and let his uncle, being his elder, choose first. But Lot cast his eyes over the plain of the Jordan and was captivated by the land of opportunity. Verse 10 reads, and Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. And verses 11 and 12 read, Then Lot chose him all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom. So here it is said, that Abram went high and Lot went low. But just how low Lot went was very much based on his proximity to Sodom. And verse 13 reads, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Oops, sorry, my, my slides have gone off. Let me just go back a little bit. Oh, sorry, I'm going. <laughs> This is the problem when you have slides, isn't it? <laughs> you want everything to sync. So just bear with me one moment. Okay, here we go. So the men of Sodom were wicked sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And Ezekiel 16, 49 to 50 provides us with even further details. It says, Behold, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. So we have here the symptoms of Sodom's exceedingly sinfulness before the Lord. These were pride. They were in love with themselves. Fullness of bread. They had plenty and needed nothing. Abundance of idleness, you name it, they had time to do it. The poor and needy, well, who were they? And haughty, they felt that they were superior to others. And they committed every abomination imaginable and unimaginable. Their passions were vile, unbridled, and unrestrained. Now we'll fast forward 25 years, and where is Lot now? Please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19 and verse 1. And it says, And there came two angels to Sodom at evening, 
And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. So Lot is now living in Sodom. In fact, he's sitting in the gate or in the entrance to the city. The gate was the center of business and commercial enterprise. It was also more than likely the place that judicial matters took place. So it was kind of like a marketplace and a courtroom combined. And I imagine that Lot was no longer a farmer. And it appears that Lot had become a very successful businessman or some sort of magistrate. And here he is in the city of Sodom, which is far from the plan that God had intended for his people. In fact, thousands of years later, the very name of Sodom is synonymous with that which is wicked, corrupt, and totally abominable from God's perspective. So let's return back to verses one to four. And it says, and there came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot seeing them rose up to meet them, and he bowed his face towards the ground. And he said, behold, now my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you can rise up early and go your ways. And they said, no, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of Sodom compassed the house round, both old and young, and all the people from every quarter. You know, this verse is, is a very disturbing one. It says that all the men of Sodom from every quarter of the city, both young and old, are intending to participate in the violation of these two men, who we know weren't actually men. They were angels sent from God to warn Lot of the city's soon impending destruction. And the many men of the city surround Lot's home and demand that the angels of the Lord are brought out. So we'll continue to read in verses five to seven, which says, and they called unto Lot and they said unto him, where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door, at, at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you brothers, do not do so wickedly. Now this brings us to Lot's response in verse eight. He says, behold, now I have two daughters, which I have not, which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and you can do to them as as good as your, as as good as in your eye. Only unto these men do nothing for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. So Lot lived long enough in Sodom to understand the intents of the men of Sodom. Now this is a difficult verse to comprehend it may be possible that Lot had no intention of actually giving his young, innocent daughters to these vile men, but to stop them in their course by offering an even more abhorrent violation than the course that they were pursuing. In 2 Peter 2, verse 8, the Apostle Paul tells us more regarding the city of Sodom and Lot's associations with it. So we just go to Second Peter, Second Peter, two verses eight and nine, and it says, "For the righteous men, referring to Lot dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day, 
with their unlawful deeds. For the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust to the day of judgment to be punished. So Sodom was a place of lawless deeds. It was a city which had no moral compass. It was spiritually bankrupt. There were an open rebellion against God and guilty, yet they were undeterred in their corruption. In other words, they had seared their conscience from the appeals of the mercy of God. Now, Lot, on the other hand, was a man of conflicted loyalties. He knew God. He was a believer with Abraham, and he had seen with his own eyes the mighty works of God. Yet he also wanted to cling to Sodom. You see, Sodom provided Lot with affluence, notoriety, remember he's had in the gate, and access to material, social, and economic comforts. In a sense, Lot illustrates to us the modern Christian, those who want the best of both worlds, the benefits of knowing Christ, but also the benefits which come with worldly prosperity, even if the culture has severed itself from its spiritual root. And yet God is determined to demonstrate his love for Lot. Let's continue to read, starting with verse 9. This is, the men of, this is how the men of Sodom respond to, to Lot offering um, his daughters. The men in Sodom respond to Lot and they say, Stand back. This one fellow came in to sojourn and he will needs be a judge, referring to Lot. Now we will do worse with you than with them. And they, the men of Sodom, pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they, the angels, smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. So Lot didn't need to tell these men that what they were doing was wicked. But Lot reminded them that these men shouldn't be touched. He said, it is for this reason. So it's for this reason that these men came to verify the wicked acts of Sodom. That is the reason why these men came to the house. The men of Sodom responded by saying, get out of our way. Who made you the judge? We will now punish you. We see the same response from our culture today. And those who have courage to openly profess the truth of God's word are silenced by our culture. Anyone who preaches against sin is called a hate monger and intolerant. Now, this should be a warning sign to the church, to our church. When darkness is so pervasive that the light causes such an outcry of rage, the culture is already in the balances. As society develops a hatred for God, the gospel message will not be received by the people and mercy, and mercy then ceases to be an option. So let's be honest. Most of the world will acknowledge that there is, is God. They just, don't wanna, they just don't want the God of the Bible and what they perceive as restrictions. The God who is holy and requires us to be wholly his, is rejected. A sinful culture which tolerates Christians as long as we don't shine the light of Christ. 
Peace exists with the world as long as our light is hid behind closed doors. So Sodom obviously knew Lot was not one of them, but they were at peace until he said that their actions were wicked. Then they attacked him and the messenger, messengers that were sent to him. And we'll continue reading from verse 12. And the men, being the angels, said unto Lot, Have you here any besides you, your sons-in-law and your sons and your daughters, and whatsoever you have in the city, bring them out of this place? For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that was mocked unto his son-in-laws. So Lot obeys the two angels and tells his son-in-laws that God is going to destroy Sodom. And they respond mockingly or mocking him for being a prophet of doom. And we'll continue to read in verse 15. And when the morning rose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take your wife, your two daughters, which are here, lest you be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while Lot lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and put, and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. Now, it's hard to imagine that Lot lingered when the angels warned him to flee. His hesitancy makes us think that he had climatized to this corrupt city. Perhaps he lingered because he just wanted life to return back to normal. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But despite Lot's hesitancy, he is compelled to flee with his wife and his two daughters. And the destruction of the, of the city is described in verse 24. It says, then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Now I have a question for you. Where did this judgment come from? The Bible is clear that it came from the Lord. This judgment is God's judgment. And we'll continue in verse 25. And he overthrew those cities in all the plain, in all the inhabitants of the cities, and that which grew upon the ground. Thus the Lord overthrew those cities in all the plain, in all the inhabitants, and in everything that grew on the ground. God overthrew it. The word overthrew means to remove forcefully and with power. It is a comprehensive choice word when we consider what God overthrew. He overthrew all of the arrogant pretensions that the people of Sodom established to bolster their independence and freedom from God. Let's have a look at what the gospel has to say about Sodom. Uh, in Luke chapter 17, verses 28 and 29, it reads, It was just the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Again, just as it was in the days of Lot, so will it be when Jesus returns for his people. God in his mercy always 
always reveals a nation's sin to the righteous, just as he did in Genesis 18 to Abraham. Now we'll just skip back to Genesis uh, chapter 18, verses 23 to 26. And Abram drew near to the Lord and said, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? In response to the destruction of Sodom. Peradventure, there were 50 righteous within the city. Will you also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are there? That be far from you to do after this manner. To slay with the righteous, with the wicked, that be far from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And we know the rest of the story. In the end, God agreed not to destroy the Sodom if 10 righteous people were found. But how many were found righteous in Sodom? Less than five. Now, Abram was a man of prayer. Remember, wherever he camped, he would build an altar to the Lord and he'd pray. Not only did he pray, but he also had courage and fortitude, which was due to his relationship with God. You may recall in Genesis 14, how Abraham entered into the battle against the kings of Shinar, Elisar, Elam, and they captured the citizens of Sodom, which also included Lot. In Genesis 14, uh, verses 12 to 16, it reads, And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. And there came one who escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eschol, and brother of Aner, and these were confederates with Adam, uh, Abram. So what happened was, is they took a lot of the people of Sodom, all their goods, Lot was there too. Word got back to Abram, and he got his confederacy together, and they were going to go get them. And it reads, and when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants born in his house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them. He and his servants by night smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. So upon Abram's return, the king of Sodom meets him and he asks Abram for the return of the citizens of Sodom, but in exchange, he wants to give him all the goods that he recovered in the battle. And Abram's response was um, to the king of Sodom in verse 22, I have lifted up my hands unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. You see, Abram knew the greatest riches in life were not of this world, but the most high God. He was Abram's king and the only true deliverer. The balance of the land is in the hands of the righteous. If a nation falls from righteousness, it is God's people who have failed, not 
necessarily the godless culture alone. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Note the key phrases are, my people called by my name. It is God's people. We must humble ourselves and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways. Our calling is to be a light in the culture of this world. The Bible says that Jesus is the rock of offense, but whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Jesus also said, blessed is he who is not offended in me. When we are convicted by God's word, we are either offended or we are conformed to his image. When our life doesn't measure up to God's word and his principles, we should become uncomfortable. This discomfort leads us to real, the realization that we are willfully sinning and we need to repent, confess our sin and our backslidings. Jesus described this inward transformation beautifully in John chapter 3, verse 8. The wind blows where it will, and you hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. God reveals the coming judgment to the righteous so that we can turn from the attachment of sin and the allurement of this world to instead rescue the world with the blessed hope of our soon-to-return Savior. God wants us to experience his marvelous mercy and his amazing grace. There's nothing you can do to change your heart. Just surrender yourself unreservedly into his capable hands. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ-centered sermon. Please subscribe to us wherever you are listening to us right now and consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also see the show notes for ways to connect with us on social media. If you have a question, would like Bible studies or a chat with a pastor, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at any time. God bless you as you continue to seek the Lord Jesus.